Hooked in Love. And I'm Jenny Hunter from Jenny Hunter Coaching. And we are with Nikki Harmon, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we brought Nikki on today because we love her message of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nikki just, we found, I found you on Instagram, right? I think so, yeah. I don't remember how we found each other, but I, I love Nikki's message and how she she talks about what um, just staying curious in situations that maybe make us nervous and um, and we think it's really helpful in this space because it's a space that we get nervous in. A lot of people get nervous in. So let's just start with that. Let's talk, let's talk, actually, let's talk about you first. Nikki, tell us a little bit about yourself and you can add that you were a BYU cheerleader. And <laughs> a superstar therapist, tell yeah. us all the Does that add to my credibility or take away from it? Yes, my name is Nikki Harmon. I am a marriage and family therapist. I've been seeing clients since 2009. Um, so that puts me at, I don't know what, 11 years or so that I've been seeing clients. I have a private practice. I've worked all different kinds of facilities. I've worked at LDS family services. I've worked at private clinics. I worked at an inpatient psychiatric hospital, um, where everyone there was a danger to themselves or to others. I've kind of done all the things, um, private practice is the best. So just keep that in mind if you ever want to do therapy. Um, and yeah, I've got five kids. I've been through some hard stuff myself and my experience going to therapy as the client really saved my life. And so here I am now, however many years later, kind of just paying it forward, I guess. That well, people take their pain and pay it for it. So yeah. Cool. And it's, I'm sure it's all of the good and hard experiences that drew me to you. Yeah. And I love, I love people with real experience and real stories and you know, you just you. deeper and wiser and uh, more connected that way. So I'm like, I, I said, in, if, if you don't follow her on Instagram, go follow her. Tell, give us your Instagram because literally it's like my entertainment every day. She does the best <laughs> reels everything it's and it's short it's so good what is it your instagram thank you my instagram's just nikki Harmon therapy <laughs> good yeah you'll enjoy it yep she dances <laughs> okay so let's talk about keeping uh communications open like let's let's just start with it like as a family because that's where our focus is is family supporting their lgbt members their lgbtq members and how do you keep that communication going Well, I think you kind of have to pay attention to what goes on in you when you have a situation placed in front of you that challenges you, right? So if someone in your family, a son or a brother or a sister comes out and says that they're gay, notice what happens for you. I think for most of us in the church, we kind of go to panic mode. (laughs) We kind of go into like danger warning, right? And we have all of this fear and, um, and messaging that we've learned over the years that comes up for us. And I think I've been thinking about why that is. And I think in the church, we tend to feel like We have to choose. We have to choose between loving or not condoning 
something that we disagree with. We feel like we we can't do both of those things at the same time. And what? if that isn't truth, so why right. do we, we default to that as members? I think, I mean, our brains naturally want to categorize things. That's how we keep our life organized. Good, bad, right, wrong. <laughs> um, healthy, not healthy. That's how, that's how we function. And that's how we kind of like filter through all the junk that kind of comes at us all the time. And especially in our church where our messaging really is good, bad, right, wrong checklist, right? You have a checklist to get into the temple. You have a checklist to have a calling. You have a checklist to take the sacrament on Sundays. And so we kind of inadvertently create this kind of black and white mindset, which I don't think is actually the gospel. I think that's just a, an unfortunate side effect of us wanting to be better. And us right. wanting to become more like the savior, right? We have goals and we have ideals. And yet that kind of creates um, an unhealthy mindset sometimes, I think. Yeah, I call it spiritual immaturity, you know, mm -hmm. where you're not always thinking it through and doing it for the right reason. And it really doesn't always get you to the next relationship with, with, your, with the savior, you right. know, with just checking the box. So good. And I love the way you put it, the checklist, because we do. And it's, it's a, it's, it's not even, we don't even know we're doing it really. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially if we've grown up in the church, that's just messaging that we get from the time we're in primary. Yeah. yeah. Totally. totally. Mm -hmm. And so then we create this false dichotomy, right? Or in therapy language, we call it a faulty cognition. It's a thought that's not true. <laughs> we create a problem that's not actually there. Like I have to choose between my beliefs and this person that I love. And that's not, that's not real. We've got to start decompressing that, decomposing that, de whatever. Write it down. That's right. You can it. Yes. I mean, I guess you could decompose it too if you, you know, just like like we don't want any of that recycled. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you, I'm muting every once in a while because I have sounds in the background I can't control. So, <laughs> yeah. So, we, I mean, we've got to break that thought down. So anytime we kind of have fear come up for us, that's a really good signal that something's going on in our mind. Some kind of thought is happening. And we can take that as not necessarily something to create panic in us, but just something to notice. Just information like, ooh, I'm feeling this fear come up or I'm feeling this anger come up. I'm wondering what that's about what's happening for me? And likely it's because we're feeling stuck between loving our son or holding on to what we believe means being a good member of the church. Um, what we believe means being a good member of the church. That's the key. Right. What we believe. Yeah. Not yeah. The, yeah. yeah right. good clarification. So in that moment, what, what can we do? So in that moment, meaning when we feel that fear come up for us, we start to notice it, right? Instead of act on it, we pause. We, everything in life is better if we can slow down a little bit. That's much easier said than done. That's why therapy can help or um, reading books and processing, but we wanna slow down and we wanna notice. And we can even say, I'm feeling scared. 
I'm feeling mad. Normally we won't notice the fear as much. We'll notice the anger and the hurt, the frustration, those kind of harder feelings tend to talk louder at us. Um, and so I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling scared. Even just voicing that can help us slow down and give us an opportunity to create space for a conversation, right? That's the goal. We want to create space where we can both exist and have a conversation instead of jumping to this fear spot that then eliminates that space. Is there any though damage that we could do if we voice that to like, say it's in the conversation, your children comes out to you and, you're, and you say, I'm feeling fear that you are gay. Is there damage you could do there? Or is it better that you are showing up authentic like that? Because that's yeah. really authentic and vulnerable on your part. It really is. And I think, I mean, any of those vulnerable emotions, those are connecting emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and so even like if you're feeling anger, but you stay vulnerable and say, ooh, I'm feeling anger, that is a connecting emotion. And so absolutely you can do damage if you are attacking or you're, you know, name calling or you're saying hurtful things. But if you just say, ooh, I'm feeling scared, guess what? Probably your child who just came out to you also feel scared. Absolutely. They probably have also been through that process where when that realization starts to happen for them and they go through all of those, I get, so that becomes a connecting point, so right? Good. Yes, that's so yep. good. And, um, and like, yeah, I think as parents, sometimes we feel like we have to do it perfectly and we have to be the boss and we have to be ahead of our kids. And, well, and we have to take care of it right then. Yes, we have to fix oh, it. If I don't talk about this right now, you know, maybe it'll pass or whatever, like not that this is going to pass, but right. you know what I mean? It's okay to say, wow, okay, I love you. And let, let me process for a minute. Yeah. Let right. me yeah. Yes. I love it. Or I'm, yeah. Or I'm, I'm mourning. There's things that I'm mourning, just like there's things you probably are mourning and just like, and that gives permission, right? It gives permission to your child to also experience those things and process them in healthy ways if you can model that for them so good do you suggest to people to write down things to i mean for me um i've talked about this before like i write everything down i don't mm -hmm. write it in long prose i just write a note down i have a planner and i write like all my thoughts down there it's right here mm -hmm. and just a sentence mm -hmm. and that helps me is that yes. Absolutely. You can keep a note on your phone. You can even do a voice recording on your phone um, if that helps you. That doesn't work for everyone, but I do. I actually encourage that a lot in my practice with clients. Mm -hmm. What I love about what you're talking about is it's all about connection. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think we have some false beliefs of what is connection. You know, perfection is not connection. And I love how you're like, if you can just be really authentic with in the conversation and where you're at, that is going to connect you to the other person, whether they agree with you or not, you just being vulnerable enough and have enough courage to state where your heart's at, that will connect you to that person. I love that. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good tool in any kind of situation, but especially in parenting. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the curiosity piece and how do you stay curious when you've got these, like, whatever's building up in you? Mm -hmm. that, is, 
tricky. That's yep. tricky too, right? And it takes practice. It's not something that you just say, oh, I'm going to do this. And then it happens. It's like a muscle. You have to exercise it. And the more you practice it, the stronger it becomes. Our initial kind of go-to feeling is to judge, make a judgment and move into those harder emotions. And so it takes work and practice to slow it down and stay curious. Um, but I love the idea of don't get judgy, get curious, figure it out. You know, in therapy, there is kind of this thought that everybody's emotions, everybody's actions make sense when you understand where they've been, who they are, what they think, and what their experiences are. Everything. Even somebody who's done the worst thing you could ever think of. When you look at their life or you understand kind of all these moving pieces, then you can have compassion and, and it makes sense. And I really believe, oh, I'm going to get emotional. That's why the Savior can love us so perfectly is because he knows us so intimately. He knows what our experiences have been. He knows the messaging we got growing up. He knows what we feel about ourselves, what our thoughts, what how we process different situations. And so anything that we do makes sense to him. Even the things we do that we wish we didn't. It makes <laughs> sense to him. And he doesn't judge us for it because he knows us so completely that he understands. And that's the goal as a parent to any child, but especially a child who feels so alone. Yeah. I love that thought of, we just need to get more information. I think that thought right there really keeps you in curious of like, okay, I'm feeling upset about this. I need to get more information of why. You know, and that is so great because you're right. The savior models that for us perfectly because in all of our lives, he comes with kindness, no matter what we do and love and open arms. He always has his arms stretched. And so if we're not feeling our arms stretched to our children, we need more information. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that's, if you're feeling pulled away from your child or separated, like that's another good thing to note. Like, why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling disconnected yeah. from this child who is mine? you know, and what, well, and what I need to do to get back to connection. Cause that's the, the important piece, right? Yeah. Staying connected. Yeah. And a lot of times there's a thought behind that, right? If I'm feeling disconnected, what's the thought behind that? Is this that my child should be a certain way and that they're not, or is it that because, you know, this, I feel like my child being this way reflects poorly on me as a parent. Like what's the thought that's happening there? If we can start to identify those thoughts, we can break them down, we can process them and shift them. And then, and then those difficult feelings go away because the thought that's feeding it has been changed. Yeah, it's just a story we're telling ourselves. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's the hopeful message that whatever you're feeling now will, can be worked through. Yes. To the point where the, where you're comfortable again, because that's, that's a lot of reaction, right? Is I want to get back to comfortable. I hate being in this uncomfortable position. And, and this process of um, with having a child come out or uh, coming out yourself, really, it's, it's a long process. Like it's not going to get, you're going to, you're going to go through a million or, you know, a couple hundred 
moments where you process a death of something you wanted versus what you have. And then, but then with that, you process into like, what you have is pretty remarkable and amazing. Yeah. So there's a cycle of processing. Yes. And, and which is why we want everyone to stay in it because there's just goodness at the end of it, even though going through, of course, is hard. Mm-hmm. like beyond hard sometimes you know I and I've never thought it this way but I I now as we're talking about this I realize you know Nick I feel almost you know I have six kids Nick's my boy and we have five girls and sometimes I feel the closest to Nick because we've had to go through this process and I've had to really get to know him and he has to get to know me like we have like gone through the hard and so that I think is one of the fruits of having your child being LGBTQ because um I have not met a child or a person who is and is not more vulnerable, more willing to be themselves and more um, giving trust when you find out they're trusting you and they're being willing to go that next emotion for you. And so it really is like a, like the layers, like Allison talked about, those layers actually have the fruits of those layers and the coming out is really the relationship can become so amazing because of those layers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so much of our pain, I think, comes from trying to control things that we can't control, yes. right? And so we feel frustration, we feel anger, we go in these circle conversations with our kids when we're trying to convince them mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z, right? Or with our right. Yes. <laughs> Is that an actual thing that I do all the time? <laughs> this is a circle convincing of trying to convince. Yes. But we create oh angst that way, right? Instead of accepting that like it, we cannot control our children. We cannot. Or any human being or anybody, right? And whether like, no matter what you believe about being gay or not being gay or shaving your head or not shaving your, I mean, like parents have so many ways they try to control their kids. Like you can't shave your head. You look like a hoodlum. You can't wear that. You can't, right. We try and just control. And I don't know, there's so much peace in accepting what is. And if this is your child coming to you, like accepting what you can't change is so, it's such a beautiful, peaceful place to be. I agree. I think Jenny and I can both speak to that. It's, it's just a, it's kind of magical actually, which is, which people wouldn't believe. No, because it removes the burden from you. Like you feel like it's your job to control it. And then once you realize that's not your job at all, your job is to love them and to help them. It's like, it's like getting a better job. It's almost like you get promoted to like a much easier job as a parent. Right. Love it. Well, you had this a real life event like this in your life that you had to go from curious to kind of curious. And we think this is such a great story that our allies and their parents and all the LGBTQ will really identify with what's happening yeah. to you. I really love how how because we we were all sort of talking about doing this um, at the same time. So we got to watch you go through the same process. And it's a process that you can go through on both sides of this story, right? Those that are supporting LGBTQ members and those who are afraid. Um, this is, there's, there's almost no, you know, there's almost no difference between those two sides, the way we process. So let's, why don't you dive into that story and tell us yeah. a little bit about it. So we just had a um, charity organization 
offering to put up rainbow flags during Pride Month, um, which got postponed because COVID and all the things, right? So it ended up being just a few months ago. But um, we decided, my husband and I talked about it, and we feel really strongly about supporting um, the LGBTQ population within the church and um, and managing to find that gray area, right, of being in the church and also supporting. Um, and so we put a flag, we put a rainbow flag in our yard, and I was nervous about it. I went through kind of this whole process of like, what are my neighbors going to think? What is my ward going to think? I recently, you know, was called to be the young women's president. And so I kind of have this calling where people know who I am. I just, and it was a little bit um, scary, right? It was a little bit scary, but I felt really strongly. And like, if there's one person who sees that flag and feels like they're not alone, then that is worth it. And so we put up the flag <laughs> and it was up there for a few days. And sure enough, a few days later, I got a call from my bishop that he wanted to talk to me. And I knew, I knew immediately what it was about. Um, he called me in, he had a conversation with me and then asked me about the flag. And I told him, I told him what I felt. I told him what I believed. I bore my testimony and then also shared how strongly I believe that we need to be supporting this, this marginalized group of people within our church. And um, great, thanks, just wanted to know. And then that was it. And then I, a week later or so, he called me again <laughs> and told me that there are multiple people in my ward who had been complaining to his counselors or to him um, and were worried about me in my capacity as the young women's president for flying this flag. At that moment, what was your thought? Oh, I, I was hurt, right? That's my first thought. Um, and then we don't like to stay in her very long, right? So what do we do with it? We kick yes. that right up into feeling mad and yes. feeling frustrated. And I'm feeling upset. And I'm thinking mean thoughts about all these people <laughs> who went to the bishop and like, instead of just come talk to me and and I had this kind of aha moment where I was able to stop and go, you know what? I'm wanting them to have compassion and not judge me for an action, mm. putting up a flag. And yet here I am with anger and frustration and judging them for going to the bishop. And I just kind of came full circle in like, how interesting that it's so easy to require <laughs> um, non-judgment and openness from other people. And yet I was not able to stay in that space with them. And so, you know, I used all my therapy tools on myself. I laid on my own couch. <laughs> 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 talked through that with myself and like you know what I get it like a few years ago I probably would have been the same one who had some thoughts about that or um they they don't know me they don't know where I stand in the church I mean you know and I was able to come to this place of compassion and anyway I got called in a second time to the bishop and the his counselors now and um, 
at this point, I was pretty frustrated because I'd already talked to the bishop about it. I felt like we had, like he understood where I was. He didn't ask me to take it down or anything. He just wanted to kind of understand where I was coming from. And then, but then he called me in again and said, this is still a problem. So I need you to come in. Mm. And so I- At that moment, you were were managing the case. I know you were very compassionate with them in your mind before that, but when you get called in again, could how did you stay in compassion going into that meeting? Good question. Um, I did a lot of praying, right? Mm-hmm. And also I feel like I have a slight advantage because I practice this as a therapist all the time. Yeah. I practice compassion for things that I don't understand or people who come to me with really serious stuff that I sit in compassion with. And so I, I do think that I've exercised that muscle a mm. lot. It's such a great um, analogy. It is a muscle, compassion muscle. Right. And yeah. so I, I just kind of was reading, I was doing some research and I felt very calm. I mean, I really felt prompted to put the flag in my yard. And so I felt very solid that yeah. This was like you, said, you felt calm. I think that's what you check in your, what you're feeling. Like you said, if you're feeling fear, that's a check-in where you need to check in. So that going into that meeting calm, that was you ready to go into that meeting. Right. And I also, it, it's, it's good sometimes to lean back into that calm and just know, you know, that whatever's happening was set up, set in motion for a reason. Mm-hmm. I try to like, you know, this is part of the plan. This is part of the path that we're working on here. Well, and I really think that this is how it changes. Yes, it's everything. Yes. We have to be able to have conversations with people who disagree. We have to be able to stay calm and compassionate because then we invite them into that compassionate space with us. But if we are coming in anger and defensiveness, that there's no room for them to join us in compassion, right? And so we have to hold that space and that, I mean, it's a, it's a burden. <laughs> it takes emotional energy. It takes, um, it takes a conviction of knowing what you believe and what is right or what you feel is right or what your prompting was. It takes kind of strength to be able to hold on to that and to not feel threatened because someone else doesn't quite see it the same way. Right. You know, and so I went in and I just had this prayer in my heart that I could, that the spirit would be there, that I could, you know, uh, bear my testimony and, and just talk about my experiences. And I went in and the first thing they asked me to do is bear my testimony. And um, I bore my testimony of the savior and how above all else, he is compassionate, even in the face of all the things like we kind of already talked about. And I, I said to them, if there's been one person that was affected by this, then I feel like it's worth it. And my goal is not to lead people away from the church. And my goal is the opposite. My goal is to bring people closer to Christ. Amen. Doing this, right? Yes. And so we kind of have this back and forth. And then towards the end, one of his counselors just kind of stopped and said, I just need to say that I'm one of, I'm the one, I'm the one that you had the flag for because I was the one who, when I saw that flag, I was seeing red. 
that's what he said wow very unhappy he was worried about me and my calling he um was worried about the women and he said he really had to like after the bishop talked to me and then talked to them he really had to soul search and figure out what was going on and that he was able to come to a place of compassion that he would not have otherwise ever been to because of what he faced with me putting a flag up. I love that because it all started with you just being brave enough to put a simple flag out and doing that changed somebody's heart. It's this, it's such a beautiful story. And that is the pattern. Yeah. First we see red and we are afraid and we're, you know, everything's coming apart. And then if we can really embrace what's happening in this experience, get curious and to start asking questions and start listening. I think it's hard for people to listen right now because we're so quick to the anger and you're not doing things the way I want you to. Um, I think this is the pattern that we all go through in all of this experience and understanding one another. And I love that when, when you said you have to hold that compassionate space. And I think allies, like we have to get better at that because, because you were able to hold it long enough and not like say, just release me or just, you know, you could have reacted a million ways to this, but because you were able to go into that meeting where a lot of people would be like, I'm not even going to the meeting, but to be vulnerable enough to go in there where they, you knew they disagreed with you and to hold, like to see each one of those people as the savior did and have compassion for them. You change the dialogue, you change the culture, you made a difference. I mean, great job. It's well, huge. I think that the, the most important point is what you said. The goal is to, to, to uh, direct us back to Christ. Because when we're at odds with one another, when there's contention, right? We know that contention is not of God. And when there's contention in the family because of this issue or neighbors or wards or what you're reading online or whatever, you know, like you're in the wrong lane, right? So that mean to fix it, that we point back to Christ. And I know just because Nikki and I were communicating quite a bit about how you prepared your heart and your mind for that meeting. Mm-hmm. So information from you were you know online, and we were talking about some um, some scriptural basis, and um, actually some we even talked about how the church had given money to the same organization that put the flag in in your yard I love that. oh that's good that news. work that the lord loves effort right like that work was what prepared your heart for for that conversation and we don't know what the first counselor or the second counselor did but clearly there was there was work done and that's how we get where we need to be and that's how we get to a place where we start understanding one another and embracing one another and that was about connection. You were able to connect with him. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, Nikki, your story, it, it was so important for me to hear yeah. um, that process and to be able to kind of watch it. I felt like first, you know, I was just kind of watching it happen, right? In real time. Well, yeah. and I want to say, it's not like we ended and we all saw eye to eye. I mean, they still like 
didn't totally agree with me putting up the flag. You know, they didn't ask me to take it down, but they gave me a lot of reasons that I should take it down. They didn't, you know, it's not like we ended and we were all like, now we're all on the exact same page. That's not what happened. And that's not what happens in general, right? It was just that we were able to have the conversation in a curious, compassionate way. And, and we all got a little bit closer to understanding. They understood me where I was coming from a little better. I understood where they were coming from a little better. And it just slowly, it's like the the drip of water on the rock, right? Mm -hmm. Little by little by little, it slowly changes, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, great, everyone should wear rainbow flags all the time. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> but that is if we could just be tolerant more of each other, you know, and in a loving way and letting there is room for both opinions, you know. Yeah. Right. And and step forward. Yeah. And yeah. you got better at doing that exact action. And you were clearer on what your intention, what your intentions were. And I think, you know, other people in the story got clear on what their intentions were. And I think that's a big, huge step forward. Yeah. You know, we'll probably never all get to the same. I, I mean, I, Jenny and I talk about this all the time. She and I are not in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> but there's nobody I adore more than Allison or want to talk to about. Like, I love that she looks at things differently than me. Yeah. And, and Jenny brings like a totally different story. And so do you, Nikki. I mean, that, that's the beauty of having these different perspectives. It's just being able to hear them and being, staying curious enough to stay in the conversation. And, and seeing and treating each other like the savior would. That's everything, right? That's it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing this. It took a while because of your mouth surgery to get together. Yeah. <laughs> and Nikki, if somebody wants to counsel with you, I know you're booked up like six weeks, but in, if somebody wants to do therapy with you, because I know that you, your heart is soft to all of these issues and you're a fabulous therapist, yeah. um, how could they find you? Yes, they can go to my website, which is NikkiHarmonTherapy.com. They can go to my Instagram account, which links over to that. And there's information. There's a link. They can just go look at my schedule and schedule themselves, actually. Okay, great. Perfect. And like I said, follow her on Instagram. You will be, you will thank me because it's <laughs> a happy moment every day. I just want to note one thing, like because of my um, life in this LGBT family experience, like I have met these two women. And I could not be more grateful. I mean, it's just one of the myriad of blessings. So feel the same. Very grateful for, for this path. It's awesome. And I love you both. Love you. Thank you, Thank you, Nikki, for coming. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.